Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Welcome to night two of Quran 30 for 30, just two alhamdulillah. Uh, I want to remind you all ta'ala that we have the Quran 30 for 30 ebook uh, companion guide inshallah ta'ala that's in the comments so you can follow along and cover the structure of the sequence that's based on the uh, you know the notes from last year. And alhamdulillah, uh, the co-author of that book, uh, Sheikh Ismail, is actually with us as our guest tonight. Alhamdulillah, as a first time uh, for Quran 30 for 30. Uh, alhamdulillah, we're blessed to have him join us as a research manager uh, at Yaqeen this year. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Ismail. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah for having me on. Allahi wa barakatuh. And you are in South Africa, alhamdulillah, Ibrahim. So... Yeah, alhamdulillah, it's uh, it's late at night, yeah. Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless you. And Sheikh Abdullah, alhamdulillah, uh, as always, good to see you, Sheikh. Likewise, likewise, may Allah bless you. So, a reminder to everyone, inshallah, of the format of this. So, we're gonna, I'll do a quick uh, focus on the seerah, inshallah ta'ala, and um, bidnillahi ta'ala, we'll have uh, Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Ismail share their uh, reflections, inshallah. Make sure you share the stream. Make sure that you donate at the link to continue to support uh, Yaqeen with our free resources and make sure that you download the two ebooks, alhamdulillah, this year, the 30 for 30 book, as well as the prophetic prayers by uh, Dr. Thahar Wyatt. So inshallah, with that, I will start. And I've actually got a stopwatch uh, this year, alhamdulillah, to keep myself disciplined. Uh, we talked last time about Surah Al-Baqarah coming down in the first year in Medina. And this will probably be my favorite seerah uh, chapter, actually of all of the ajza, uh, really because of what comes inshallah ta'ala towards the end of what I'm gonna speak about. But let's sort of connect it inshallah ta'ala. So just two, uh, very easy for you to remember. Uh, most of the verses that come in just two are actually in the second year after hijrah. So just one of al-Baqarah is tied most closely to the first year after hijrah when the Muslim community settles in Medina. Just two of al-Baqarah is tied to the second year after hijrah where several incidents are going to take place. Number one, uh, we referenced this last time, inshallah, last time we talked about how the Qibla changed from Jerusalem to Mecca. And this was as Anas ibn Malik anhu narrates, after 17 or 18 months in Al-Madina, after they were uh, praying towards Jerusalem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the change of the Qibla towards Mecca. So last time we talked about the longing that the Muslims have while they're in Medina for Mecca, which they've left behind, of course, the Muhajireen, that is, and the original vision of Ibrahim salam and the construction of the Kaaba, and now they're being turned towards uh, the Kaaba, so they have a new connection to the Kaaba that they did not have even in Mecca, subhanAllah. So now they are towards the Kaaba. And this is, of course, where uh, you know we also find multiple ahadith about the change of the Qibla. And the interesting thing about it is that it changed while the Muslims were in the middle of their salah. So Anas anhu, he narrates that uh, a man passed by Banu Salama while they were praying in Salat al-Fajr and they finished one rak'ah. So they were praying in Medina facing towards Jerusalem. And then he called out and he said, the Qibla has changed. So they turned as they were towards the Qibla. So that's why you find Masjid Al-Qiblatayn, which it's not uh, a requirement or a sunnah for you to visit when you go to Medina, by the way, because it gets super crowded over there. Uh, but Masjid Al-Qiblatayn, of course, marks that change of the Qibla from Jerusalem to Mecca. Now, there's great significance to this. And of course, the foundation that we talked about last time 
of the construction of the Kaaba and the way of Ibrahim السلام, and the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Ibrahim السلام, to fulfill Tawheed uh, both uh, through the lineage of Ishaq السلام, and then through the lineage of Ismail السلام, through Muhammad وسلم, and in Mecca that that comes to be. But we also find numerous narrations here that while they were facing towards the Qibla in Al-Quds, towards Jerusalem, uh, as the change came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, nas that the fools amongst the people will say, what turned them, those Muslims, from their Qibla to which they used to be upon? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, المغرب, Say to Allah belongs the East and the West, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whom He wills to the straight path. And this was you know, a form of validation to the Prophet وسلم, and to the Muslim community of the change of, uh, of, of, uh, of direction really being the ultimate cementing of the Prophet وسلم's authority at this point of building upon the revelations that came before him وسلم, through the other prophets. May Allah send his peace and blessings upon them all and continuing their legacy and all within the way of Ibrahim السلام, as he built the Kaaba to establish Tawheed. Now, when this happened, when the Qibla changes towards Mecca, of course, the connection to Jerusalem always stays. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, keep it uh, sanctified in our hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala liberate the occupied sanctuary. Allahumma ameen. Al-Bara' radiallahu ta'ala anhu has an interesting narration as well. He says that when that change happened, some of the Sahaba were worried about their brothers who had passed before the change of Qibla, Right? what is their situation? Does the salah that they did towards Jerusalem facing away from Mecca count? Did they lose it? And this is the reason for the revelation of verse 143. Allah Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not cause your faith, your iman, to be lost. And this is referring to that incident in which the Sahaba asked the Prophet about their brothers who had passed away who did not live to see the switch of the Qibla, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala validating that Allah has maintained all of their prayers and all of the reward for their prayers. Now, this is not my favorite part. I'll, I'll get to that inshallah ta'ala. Just quickly, you go on and you see a lot of verses about laws, a lot of questions. Yes, alunak, yes, alunak, yes, alunak. They ask you, they ask you, they ask you. So laws in regards to finances, laws in regards to society, social gatherings, economic, political, uh, international issues now. All of these these laws that are being revealed and they're being revealed with yes alunak, yes alunak, yes alunak. They ask you, they ask you, they ask you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals qul, qul, qul. Say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa this. Say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that. And then that's what makes so beautiful. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ When my servants ask you about me, I am close to them. Because there is no qul, there is no say I am close to them. Because when you make dua, you are immediately connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, here's my favorite part about this entire thing. Ramadan. The legislation of Ramadan was in this juz and in the second year after hijrah. And it was legislated in Sha'ban. So the second year after hijrah, they get the command to fast the entire month of Ramadan. Prior to that, fasting was prescribed upon you the way it was prescribed on those that came before you. And that was the days that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed, ayyaman ma'dudat, 
uh, some days, the days of Ashura, the day of Arafah. But here, the Ramadan was decreed upon them to fast the month before. So Sha'ban, the second year after Hijrah, Ramadan was decreed. Now here's the thing. What also happened the second year after Hijrah? The Battle of Badr happened. The Battle of Badr happened on the 17th day of Ramadan, the second year after Hijrah. So can you imagine your first Ramadan is the Battle of Badr? You talk about you know the first Ramadan and the challenges of the first Ramadan. The first Ramadan for the Sahaba of the Prophet wasallam, they were in Badr and look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to them. And Umar bin Khattab anhu said, we went out on two campaigns with the Prophet wasallam in Ramadan the day of Badr and the day of Fatih Mecca, the day of the conquest of Mecca. And we broke our fast during both. And so both the Battle of Badr as well as Fatih Mecca, the opening of Mecca, took place in Ramadan and the Sahaba uh, broke their fast. Finally, the revelation of the closing verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, uh, Ibn Abbas anhu, he reports that while Jibreel was sitting with the Prophet وسلم, he heard a creaking sound above him. He lifted his head and said, this is a gate that has opened in the heavens today, which has never been opened before. And then an angel descended through it. And he said, this is an angel who has come down to the earth, who has never come down before. He greeted the Prophet wasallam, and he said, rejoice in two lights given to you that have not been given to any prophet before you. Al-Fatiha, the opening of the book and the concluding verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. You will never recite a letter from them for which you will not be given a reward. And so the blessing of those last few verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, even though they're in the third juz, but I wanted to just uh, frame that inshallah ta'ala, the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave of the changing of the qibla, and then the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to this ummah of the lifting of the burden, right? That you don't burden us in ways that those that came before us were burdened. And uh, clinging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that. So it really frames Surah Al-Baqarah so beautifully as it, as it was taking place in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as it has a specific connection uh, to Ramadan. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, any of the mashayikh that would like to share anything about that, then we'll go on to Shaykh Abdullah. Yeah, Shaykh, the verse on, on fasting, there's one part of that verse that always hits me. It's actually one of my favorite uh, phrases in the entire Quran. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about fasting and he speaks about if you're sick or traveling, make it up later. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, because Allah wants ease for you. He does not want difficulty for you. So you can imagine that the Sahaba, the first Ramadan in Badr, you know, they're traveling, they're fighting. And this verse comes down saying, you need to fast, but at certain times you don't have to. And Allah wants things to be easy for you. you know, it, that comfort is there in the verse. And now, many people are not aware of this, but that, that portion of the verse is actually one of the maxims of fiqh, that mm. our fiqh is a fiqh of taysir, you know, it's a fiqh of, of ease. And, and this is one of the main verses that's used to prove that, that ease is built into our sharia. So that's a very, very beautiful phrase in the Quran, mashallah, that I really, I really just love that verse because of it. No, alhamdulillah, it's, a, it's beautiful how, I like how you mentioned um, how the second juz is in relation to the second year after Hijrah and how it is something that corresponds with the situations and is a consequence of what takes place. As we know, the revelation sometimes can be a response and literally can be a response and an answer. As we see in many of the verses in this juice particular, yes, Alunak, they ask you, they ask you, they ask you. 
which subhanallah when we see qul and yas'alunak when we see say and they ask you this is proof of the prophethood of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he is receiving revelation from allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala which again is a good a segue for for what i'm planning to talk about and that is the tadarruj and we call tadarruj meaning the how allah is gradual with revealing the quran and revealing the rulings as we know that some of the revelations are consequential some of them are responses as was just mentioned and what i want to talk about inshallah ta'ala is in baqarah verse number 219 where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the mu'mini and he's talking about a question that they ask him because in the verse before that he mentions uh, after that those who have believed migrated and striven for allah's cause it is they who look forward to allah's mercy and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving and the most merciful then after that he mentions the question of the sahaba to the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and I want to cover a portion of this verse, which is a very important methodology for us as Muslims and as human beings when trying to reveal things to people or wanting them to go a certain direction or a certain way, hoping good for them. He says, Yes, They ask you about liquor and gambling. Liquor and gambling. Now, listen to this response. You know, many times we're at interfaith gatherings and subhanAllah, you know, those of us that deal with new Muslims, those that convert to Islam or those that we understand as renewed Muslims or those that are trying to practice the faith again. You know, there was some catalyst in their life that made them say, what, you know what? I want to start praying. I want to start just trying to do something to show gratitude to Allah. I want to watch this series and try to be my best in at least reading a portion of the Quran in this Ramadan. We have to take that reality and understand everyone is at different levels. And as Aisha mentioned of the Prophet, she said, She said the Prophet ordered us to put people in their proper places. Look at who you're dealing with and speak to them, deal with them accordingly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, they ask you about liquor and gambling. Now listen here. He says here, tell them, Ul. say that in both of them are sinful practices, sinful actions, there is sin, and there are benefits. Manafi' linnas. Manafi' plural. But let, let, listen, listen to this aspect of this. We can say a qaidu or a rule that's understood from here. It has, وَإِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِن نَفْعِهِمَا Subhanallah. When speaking about the tahawwul al-qibla, when talking about you know moving from one direction in prayer to another direction within the prayer, this is an aspect of being gradual when bringing the ahkam, when bringing the rulings of Islam, and not to bring it all at one time. So that can be to a certain degree, to a certain degree, when we deal with people to understand their capacity and tell them accordingly, without compromising the integrity of the sharia. Because here, Allah says, Tell them that in both of these things are good and evil, but the evil outweighs the good. And I want to end here with this important, important thing to remember is that within things that we may see are halal or haram, we have to understood that, understand that Allah within his knowledge and wisdom made it haram because the harm outweighs the good. The universal harm outweighs the universal good. Gambling, what's the benefit? You're going to get some money. But the way that you've obtained that money 
could be harmful, not only to you or to the person that lost the money, but to the public in general, because it could be something that is detrimental to society because of addictions and things that we've seen and maybe known some people that have encountered that. And khamer and liquor as well, as we know that someone could get to a certain degree so they, they do not even know where they are and it could lead to violence, etc. But what's most important here is that when we see something is permissible or impermissible in Islam, firstly, we should try our best to always remember with the dhikr of Allah, remembering Allah who he is and what that means. That he is al-alim, the all-knowledgeable. So with his knowledge, he legislated this to be halal, permissible, and this to be haram, impermissible. And his wisdom is how he appropriates that knowledge. So when looking at khamr and maysir, we use that in general. And anything that's halal or haram, someone may come to you and say, but I'm benefiting from it. But we know with the knowledge of Allah, regardless of what you may see or experience or encounter, the legislation takes priority over all of that because it comes from someone that is the all-knowledgeable. So when looking at this beautiful verse, we remember the statement of Aisha when she talked about the Quran was revealed and it was firstly revealed, the halal and the haram. When people's hearts became soft for Islam, they embraced Islam, that is when the halal and the haram was revealed. So the first reveal was Jannah and Nar, and then the halal and the haram. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that remember when we may encounter something that we may feel some tightness in our heart, that we know that it is from Al-Alim, and that the benefit outweighs the harm. And all of that is just as Sheikh Ismail said, Allah wants for you ease, He does not want for you hardship. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. That's absolutely beautiful. Barakallah fikum. And I think, subhanAllah, that's also the seerah element, right? About the uh, the tahrim of khamar. It's the proof of what Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said that Allah had the first verse that been re been revealed, do not drink, do not you know commit uh, zina, adultery. They would have said, no way, we'll never be able to give up adultery, never be able to give up alcohol. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala solidified faith in their hearts for all of that time so that when the tahreem, when the prohibition, final prohibition of alcohol came, you know, they were breaking their bottles and filling the streets uh, with with that wine, you know, to, to, to give it up, that they'd been prepared for that. So subhanAllah, I think that's also, you know, and, and you know, I can't help but think like, isn't it amazing that they had Ramadan to prepare their hearts for Badr. They had Mecca to prepare themselves for Medina. They had Aqidah to prepare themselves for Fiqh. Like everything has such a foundation, such a, a tarkib, a, a sequence with Allah Azzawajal and how uh, he raised the Prophet Sallallahu the best generation of all time. SubhanAllah. Zakallah khair. Shaykh Ismail, tafadl, it's on you. Zakallah khair, Shaykh Abdullah, for the beautiful reflections. Bismillah. Yeah, so, you know, you're talking about the time in Surah Baqarah was revealed. You know, we look at this early Medinan phase. You know, the Prophet Wasallam and, and the Muhajirin, they, they had just arrived in Medina. Uh, they left behind their money. They, 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 they're rebuilding their lives and they're facing a lot of difficulty. You know, some of them are, are going through hunger. Some of them are going through uh, the, the loss of wealth. Some of them have lost family members, you know, uh, in Makkah. Uh, some of them going to lose family members in, in, in Badr and, and Uhud soon. And so <clears throat> in these verses in, in Surah Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many times reminds the Prophet wasallam and the Sahaba to be patient, to have sabr. And when you look at it in that context, you can understand why. That that was a very difficult point in history. A lot of sabr was required to, to go through what they were about to go through. 
in terms of Badr and then Uhud and everything else that came after it. And so one of my favorite passages in the Quran comes right here in Surah Baqarah at the very beginning of the second Jews, starting at verse 153, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who believe, seek assistance through salah and sabr. And this is Allah is with those who have sabr, right? And once one of my friends, he was actually sitting and he asked me, what's your favorite verse in the Quran? And I thought about it for a while and I, I mentioned verse 155 of Surah Baqarah that we will definitely test you with hunger and, and, and fear and loss of life and loss of wealth to give good news to those who have patience. And this friend of mine, he looked at me confused. He's, he's like, anybody else I've asked that question to, their favorite verse is like, with difficulty comes ease or something like that. Why is your favorite verse that we are going to test you with hunger and we're going to test you with loss of life? Why is that your favorite verse? And I explained to him uh, something that I realized a long time ago. You see, in, in my childhood and my teenage years and growing up, I faced a lot of difficulties. And, and this verse, alhamdulillah, got me through all of that. And what I love about this verse is that it covers every type of test that we could face in life. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us that we will definitely be tested. He uses the, 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 the verb form, wala nabluwanna. Now, the la is for emphasis and the noon is for emphasis. So if you're going to translate that literally, it means we will definitely, definitely test you. So it's a promise from Allah. We are going to be tested. And the types of tests that Allah mentions is every type that we could face in life. That some people are tested with hunger. Some people are tested with fear. Some people are tested with, with loss of life. Some people are, are tested with loss of wealth. That these are things that each of us are going to face in life. Some of us will face all of them. Some of us will face some of them. Everybody's going to face at least one of them. And what these verses do is that they psychologically prepare you to handle the difficulties of life. And so we've seen this in the past 13 months, or is it 14 months now since this uh, pandemic started, that from throughout the world, the, the one group of people that responded best to the pandemic were the Muslims, who understood the Quran's message because Muslims already knew Allah is going to test us. And so this pandemic, it, it brought fear, it brought hunger for some people, it brought loss of life for many people, it brought, it brought loss of wealth for many people, yet still people's Iman remained strong because of messages like this in the Quran. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has, he has already told us that this is what the life of the world is going to be like. And so this verse, it serves a purpose in both times of ease and times of difficulty. In times of ease, these verses, they remind us that ease is not going to last. And that if something goes wrong, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already promised to test us. And this is the test. How do we deal with the test? It's already written in the verse, right? That give good news to those who have sabr, to those who are patient. And, and what does patience mean? Patience means three things. Number one, it means that if Allah tests you with the loss of something, you accept the qadr of Allah and you find a way to move forward. Right? And that's the type of sabr mentioned in this verse. The second type is that we remain consistent in doing good deeds. And this is in both times of ease and times of difficulty, that we remain sabr upon our good deeds. So if someone finds it difficult to wake up for Salatul Fajr, it takes a certain type of sabr to pray Fajr on time every day. And the third type of sabr is to control ourselves against sin. So if somebody really wants to drink alcohol or commit zina 
and they hold themselves back and they stop themselves from doing that, that is also a type of sabr. Now, what's interesting is the second and third type of sabr. Uh, these are things that we do in times of ease and difficulty. But the first type that I mentioned, that's something that only happens in times of difficulty. And that's what this verse is about. And in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the full formula. He doesn't just tell us to be patient. He even tells us what to say. Right? Uh, in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. This is a dua that has been on the tongues of every Muslim for the past year. Everybody you meet has had to say this multiple times over the past year. And where do we get this dua from? We get it from this passage in the Quran. And so this section of, of, of verses, and I would really advise people uh, to just open up a translation of the Quran and read from verse 153 to verse 157 and just you know, take some time to do tadabbur on these verses, to reflect on these verses. Uh, because what they do is they prepare you. They prepare you so that when the test of life come, you know to say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. You know how to handle it. You know how to deal with it. And it's not going to be easy, but knowing that Allah is there, knowing that there is a reward for sabr, knowing that this is part of the test of life and Jannah, Jannah is where we're going to have the eternal life, all of that makes it so much easier. And this is why, for me, this is my favorite section in the Quran. It helped me through my difficult times. And anyone who understands it, inshallah, it will help them through their difficult times as well. That's absolutely beautiful. SubhanAllah. And the, there are a few things that came to my mind. One of them is that you alone we worship and from you alone we seek help. But what do we seek help with Allah from? With worship, right? So what's that? You know, you alone, we worship from you alone, nasta'in. And then what do we do isti'ana with? How do we seek help? With patience, which of course some of the ulama mentioned is fasting and prayer. And it's also really interesting, subhanAllah, that the way the Quran is, is organized, obviously we're tested with wealth, we're tested with ease, and we're tested with hardship. What resonated, what would resonate more with the Sahaba, it would seem, is the test of hardship, because at this point they've only seen hardship. But the first test Allah tells us about is the test of ease with Adam alayhi salam. And then we get to the test of the people of Fir'aun, Bani Israel, and, and the torture, uh, the, the, the oppression at the hands of Fir'aun that Bani Israel underwent. And that, you know, I think there's something crucial about that, that it's like you're prepared, whether it's going to be, you know, ease that you're tested with or hardship that's going to be tested with. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un to Allah we belong and to whom, Him we return actually puts ease in perspective and hardship in perspective. Like it's not our sunnah to say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un when we get something good, right? Like, you know, you could imagine like a wedding and someone sees their, their spouse for the first time. It's like, no, no, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> yes, we got a FaceTime from Sheikh, a FaceTime from Sheikh Abdullah. <laughs> first one, alhamdulillah. <laughs> but, but like we would say, alhamdulillah, but in reality, everything, right? Like, inna lillahi wa inna helps you to see uh, everything in this life as immaterial. It's good and it's bad. Um, and only as an opportunity to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think it's powerful the way that the Quran, the way that Allah just structures that in these first two juz. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. I like, uh, you know, this verse as well. It's the, you know, subhanAllah, uh, at the very end of that portion of the verse where he says, And verily, you know, seeking assistance in uh, patience and in prayer, this is huge upon people except for the ones that are khashi'in. And khashi'in is those that have 
their undivided attention. You know, they have khushur, which could be particularly for the salah, which is interesting how I mentioned salah and then the khashirin. So the ones that have khushur and the salah. And we know the stories of many imams when their salah was described, particularly the Prophet wasallam, when he would pray. So this is subhanAllah a good reminder for myself and inshallah all of us that, you know, when we look at patience in prayer, particularly what, you know, what Sheikh Ismail mentioned with the pandemic, this is going to be an interesting Ramadan. Some will be in the masjid and some still will not be in the masjid, you know, but seeking that assistance and patience, you know, and in the prayer and the khushur of that which will assist them in their undivided attention to Allah, what he's done and his his predestination is which Sheikh Ismail mentioned as well, that first type of sabr that he mentioned with the predestination of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the direct manifestations of that or the, dare we say, charging station or place to where one can detach is in the salah. Is in the salah. And there's so much wisdom of why it's the second pillar of Islam, one of the direct manifestations of the first pillar of Islam, which Musa was ordered when he was when he was chosen to be a prophet. So I love this verse as well, mashallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just reward you for choosing this verse and spreading it to the world, inshallah. Mm -hmm. The meaning of it to the world. And you know, it's interesting. We talked about the categorizations last time, right? Um, the hypocrites, when they stand up for prayer, they drag their feet. They're, they're lazy. They're, you know, may Allah protect us. That's, the, that's that categorization. Like in some of the, the signs that we need to pay attention to. Then, it's kabir on who? It's it's difficult on the hypocrites. May Allah protect us uh, from from the, the minor signs of hypocrisy, the more minor manifestations of hypocrisy. Um, and Subhanallah, the categorization of those um, they believe in the unseen, uh, and so when they stand and pray to Allah, who they can't see, they have ihsan because they believe in Allah. They have excellence. They worship Him as if they can see Him. So that's why they find so much comfort in it, right? Because they fall in that first category. May Allah make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. 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 Any last comments? Like thirty second, one minute send offs. Sheikh Ismail, you want to give you want to give uh, Sheikh Abdullah some South African humor to make him face palm? <laughs> I don't know if I can do humor on the spot. <laughs> 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 I really don't think I can do you on this spot, but Alhamdulillah. I was kind of hoping it'd be a moment where like all three of us would end up doing a face palm at the same time, but it just never happens. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. You never know. We still have 28 more juz. Jazakumullah. Sheikh Abdullah, Sheikh Ismail. May Allah bless you both. And Jazakumullah to all who tuned in. Inshallah, I will see you for the next uh, juz. May Allah bless you and make us all people of Quran. Reminding you to download the ebooks, inshallah, of the 30 for 30 companion guide, as well as the prophetic prayers, the dua a day, as well as uh, reminding you to please support, inshallah ta'ala, our work uh, by donating at the link below. Jazakumullah khayran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Having a conversation is a transformative experience. It can take you to places in your own mind that you didn't even know existed. It's an opportunity to understand your own views and to see what someone else sees too. To talk with people instead of being talked at. A conversation is a chance to build a relationship with your child, your parent, your friend, even an acquaintance. That's why we created Yaqeen Conversations. You can use it during family nights, with friends, in an existing club, or anytime you want. 
It's an opportunity for everyone on any faith level to build meaningful connections with people and a meaningful connection with faith. Visit yaqeeninstitute.org conversations to access the guide immediately. Yaqeen Conversations. Have a transformative experience. Do I say hashtag experience conversations? <laughs> All right.